You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Yolanda Lopez. I love that clip because it just shows a joy and, and just a freedom in doing that. And I didn't mention this before in the other services, but I did a little research on penguins because Pastor Doug had brought that up on Facebook a little bit. And I, I came to find out that penguins, you know, travel in groups. And when they're on land, uh, it's called a waddle, Right? So now that he's teaching tribes and everything, if I see y'all walking around like this, I'll understand you're in a tribe because you're waddling together. That's the best thing to do. Dr. Brene Brown, a research professor at the University of Houston Graduate College of Social Work, and also the author of the best-selling books, Daring Greatly in the Gifts of Imperfection, is quoted as saying this, a deep sense of love and belonging is an irreducible need of all people. Get that, all people. We all have a deep longing to be to love, to be loved, and to belong somewhere. She goes on to say we are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved, and to belong. Hey, God made us that way. God made us with that deep sense of longing in here. And so whenever we feel that whenever we belong to a group, a tribe, a community where we know that we are loved and accepted for who we are, and also that we have the opportunity to, to love back, then all of a sudden we have happy feet. We can climb mountains. We can do anything because we know we're a part of something. And I love that piece. I truly believe, because I've often shared this, that that's why we have gangs on this end and a country club organization on this end. There just is a need to belong somewhere. So it doesn't matter where, who's going to accept me for who I am, who's going to love me, and who do I have the opportunity to love? Because we all need that. So it's during these times that all of a sudden we begin to understand we're better together. We make things better when we waddle together, when you really look at it. But here's the flip side of that. What happens when, though we are part of a tribe or a community, we begin to experience loneliness or a deep sense of loneliness? Our feet are no longer dancing, are they? In fact, they're dragging. In fact, even if I take the Aleve or the Advil, that's not going to work because I just don't want to move. And there are certain situations in life that bring us to this point of feeling that loneliness or aloneness. It could be when a husband or wife walks out of your life. It could be when a child leaves home, a parent dies, or a friend moves. Sometimes we feel alone during specific seasons of our life. When we deal with marital tensions, I bet none of you deal with that, <laughs> or the stress of being single, either one, when we parent young children or find out we can't have children, or when our body slows down or we retire from our jobs. It's during these seasons that we also begin to sense a tremendous sense of aloneness and loneliness in our lives. You know, I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've experienced that as well. Well, the Bible also gives us some examples of this. 
And we're going to look at uh, three characters in the Bible. The first one we're going to find in Genesis 16. We're going to find Hagar, who is the maid of Abraham's wife, Sarai. And she was an obedient handmaiden. She did what she was told. But Sarai began to be real strict with her and not treat her right. And so Hagar wound up running away. So here's Hagar, if you can picture this. She's single, pregnant, and she's running away from home out in the middle of a desert. And she finds herself next to a, a stream and everything, and she lays down there, and she is prepared to die. I don't want to live anymore. I'm just not wanted. Nobody cares. Nobody knows what's going on. And she's prepared to die and everything. But here's what Genesis 16, 7 through 10 says when she finds herself in that situation. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? Hagar responds, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. Here is Hagar in the middle of the desert with nobody else around. And she's prepared to die because she can't handle living anymore. And all of a sudden, she meets the angel of the Lord. She thought nobody cared. She thought nobody understood. She thought nobody knew her plight. But wow, here she met the living God. And the living God was the one who saw her situation and spoke to her and gave her enough strength to return home to bear her child and live the rest of her days resting in God's promises. Mm. Have you ever felt like Hagar, all alone? Nobody understands what I'm going through. I just can't handle this anymore. Have you ever felt that way? In Psalms 13, we find David, the anointed one of God. And I love when I say that because even he felt this aloneness, this loneliness at times. Not only did he feel alone, but David felt that God had abandoned him. In our aloneness, there are times when God seems so distant, and even David felt those times. So there are times when we may be going in those seasons of our life that we're crying out, God, where are you? I don't see you anywhere. What are you doing? Do you not care? Well, in Psalms 13, he says this, listen to his emotions. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But then he paused for a minute. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. 
In the midst of this time, in the midst of his loneliness, the midst of his aloneness as well, he cried out to God. And at that moment, he then remembered that God had been good to him. Have you ever felt like David? Feeling so lonely and lonely and just wondering, where the heck are you, God? I don't feel you. I don't see you. I just don't know what's going on. And then in Genesis 29, 16 through 38, there was Leah. Now, Leah, I love the story of Leah because, see, Leah was a sister of Rachel. And Leah was given to Jacob as a wife. But Jacob didn't want Leah. He didn't want her. He wanted Rachel. Rachel was thought to be the pretty one, the one he really had a desire for. But Leah, Leah was just given to him anyway by trickery. So here's Leah, a woman in a loveless marriage. She found herself feeling desperate and alone with a man who didn't love her. And yet, it was during this time that the scriptures say this, the Lord saw that Leah was not loved. Oh, I love that. God noticed Leah. He cared for Leah, and he took away her pain as only he could. He opened her womb. Leah gave birth to three sons, one right after the other. But here's the deal. Even then, Leah still wanted Jacob's love, her husband's love. So she thought, now that I have a son, Jacob will love me. Didn't work. She had a second son. Now Jacob will love me. Didn't work. She had a third son. Then she said, surely now he'll love me. No response from Jacob. So here Leah, still desperately wanting the love of her husband, didn't get it. And that's why she had that desperation and everything. But here's the kicker in that story. She had a fourth son. And when she had that time, something changed in Leah's heart. Because when it happened this time, when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. She didn't look at Jacob anymore. She looked at God to meet her needs. She looked to him, the God who had always loved her, the God who had always seen, the God that had always been there for her. She finally recognized that and said, you know now, I'm not looking for love from him. I'm looking for love from God the Father. Have you ever felt like Leah and been in a relationship where maybe you're no longer wanted? or feel so alone within the relationship? Because see, this aloneness and loneliness can occur in the midst of a crowd. It can occur in the midst of family. It can occur in the midst of community. But here's the deal. Hagar, David, and Leah all found that during these times of loneliness and aloneness, there was somebody there there was somebody who saw things. There was somebody who was hearing. There was somebody who cared about them. And they learned to turn in. So what if we begin to see these times of aloneness and loneliness as an opportunity to develop a deeper relationship with God? What if? See, I can remember times when I experienced that feeling of loneliness and aloneness. And it's horrible. Okay, so let me share that with you. Nobody understands, nobody understands the pain till you've experienced that. 
But here, and here's what I would do when that would occur. I'd pick up the phone and I would call every number in my list trying to find somebody to do something with so that I wouldn't have to have that feeling. I was trying to fill that emptiness inside with somebody else or some activity. And then all of a sudden, I realized the day came where I couldn't find anybody. And it was like I heard the Lord whisper, Yolanda, I'm here. I've always been here. And it was during that time that I learned to turn around and spend time with him, to cry out as David cried out, to really begin to understand that he loves me, how much he cares about me, and to begin to realize how much he has done for me. And so what if we began to look at these times as opportunities rather than as negatives or obstacles to our growth? What if we begin to hear them as whispers of God trying to draw us to himself? What if you did, as a, a, a writer and national speaker, Carol McManamine says, what if we learn how to sit at his feet? What if we learn to sit at his feet? That means to kick back and relax in his presence, worshiping him, getting quiet enough to hear him speak to our hearts. It literally means allowing the world to rush by while we rest in him. It means allowing the Holy Spirit to bathe us in his rays of love. I can think of no finer thing than to do than to go to the beach and sit and watch the sun rise and the sun set. And I watch God's creation. I hear the waves hitting the shore. And I realize that's my father who created these things. This is my God. The beauty that he created. I don't know what he did for you, but he created that for me. And I can enjoy and relax and just kick back and just begin worshiping, however that is. And so I love that piece. So what if we would learn how to sit his feet? We live such busy, harried lives that it's hard to find time to just sit and to listen so that we can hear something. So sitting at his feet. So what if we learn to soak in his word during these times? That we spend time in God's word. Don't just read it. Don't just read it. We have the U verse. So we go in, some of us will go in, okay, I've read my verse for the day. Let me click, I'm done. But don't just read it, swim in it, soak in it a while, and get so deep that you are immersed in it. It's kind of like going to the ocean, right? And you get to the edge of the water and then the waves hit your feet, but you go in a little bit more and a little bit more till the water is covering you. The feeling of being surrounded by God's love, by being surrounded by the God that loves you and cares for you. Soaking, or like, hey, one of the houses that I, I stay in out there has a hot tub. So it's kind of like getting, turning on the water and then getting in that hot tub, right? Putting your feet in there. How many of you have ever been in a hot tub? Well, you got to try it, guys. Okay. <laughs> you sit in there and you just soak. And you soak. Now, don't stay in there too long because when you come out, you'll be wrinkly and everything. But nonetheless, just soaking in God's word so that I will allow it to begin to permeate the very core of my being. 
And I've learned to do that. By the way, that's where I learned how to live. It's the word of God that teaches me how to live. It's the word that tells me how I'm supposed to behave, what I'm supposed to know, what he desires of me. So learning to sit at his feet, learning to soak in his word, and a third thing, during these times of loneliness and loneliness, to seek his will. To seek his will. What does God want for your life? We keep looking everywhere. We keep going everywhere. But how often do we sit at his feet, soak in his word, and say, God, what do you want for me? What does my life look like from your, through your eyes? Where am I going and how am I getting there? By spending time with him is how we find out. In the Bible, God tells us everything we need to know. and We can ask him for that help. See, it's when we gave, gain his perspective on things, we're more sensitive to his leading in our lives. And when we learn to take these alone times and take them and turn them into opportunities to sit, soak, and seek, is when you'll be strengthened from the inside out. It's during these times that you find the water that quenches your thirst. It's the living water that will satisfy your soul. Have you learned to do that? Have you learned to spend those times crying out to him when you feel that aloneness and loneliness, feeling like nobody cares, nobody understands? Because he does. He knows that. Here's the deal. I remember when I first got saved, and I was telling the, uh, some people, I was driving down the street. Now, you're going to think this is funny, but I was already thinking about when the day that Jesus takes me home, what is my funeral or my obed going to look like? Okay, those of you that are young don't think about those things. Those of us that are older do think about those things, all right? And so I was thinking, of all my life, what are some of the decisions that I have made in my life that have been turning points? And it really hit me. The greatest decision I ever made was to follow Jesus Christ. The greatest decision I ever made was to allow him to take my life and do with it as he pleased. I have never regretted that decision. In fact, I think I've decided to do a sermon on a DVD so that when I'm gone, they can play it so I can have one more opportunity to talk. Because all I want to do with my dying breath is share that the God of heaven loves you and that you can't go wrong by giving your life to him. And so I learned in 1 John 14, 6, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but, but by me. Do you know him? Do you know this God that I'm talking about? I've had somebody say to me, you talk about God as if he's a personal friend. Yes, he is. He really is. I commune with him. I sit with him. I soak in his word. I seek his will. Yes, he is. I believe he is in control of my life. Yes, he is. Do you know this God? Do you take the times of aloneness and loneliness to turn to him? Well, here's the deal. If you don't know him, I want the privilege of leading you to him. So here's what I want us to do. I want you to close your eyes, everybody bow your head. And I would like everybody, regardless, to repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, 
I know that I have sinned. I know I am not where I want to be. And I want your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. Please wash me from all sin, shame, and guilt. Come into my life, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. I ask this in your name. Amen. I don't know how many of you took the opportunity, but I hope you did. And if you did, here's the deal. The next step is baptism. And oh, you know what? There's some water right here. So today is your day. So if you've done that, I want you to go to the back of the theater. They have some clothes for you to change into so you can get baptized. And I remember my baptism because I remember when that pastor took me and he laid me back and he ducked me in that water and I came back up. I want you to know that I know for a fact there were a host of angels singing. I can't believe that Yolanda finally came across that. <laughs> and it's probably the first and only time that you might have seen a halo around my head. But I know what I felt here when I got out of the water must have radiated because I just knew I was new. See, baptism symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. So my hope is if you prayed that prayer to come back baptized. But if you've already signed up for baptism, I want you to come to the right side even now to line up over here to get baptized if there's anybody that's already signed up. And then the third group, if you are a believer and you've never taken this step, today is your day. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for, man? What are you waiting for? For God to change your life. For you to become the men that God has called you to be. What about you women? What are you waiting for if you have not gotten baptized to identify with the God who loves you? Do it today. Don't let the time pass. Let me leave you with one scripture in John 7, 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. Come and be baptized in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.